0: Pod Save America is brought to you by Books this Mother's Day. Give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books Company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they can last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Wow. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. You go online, pick the delivery date, and you're done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. I am very happy that I'm reading this ad because now I'm remembering when Mother's Day is and I'm going to order a whole bunch of books because they're fantastic flowers. Go to books.com and use promo code CROOKED for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com. Promo code CROOKED. Books, promo code CROOKED. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm Dan Pfeiffer. On today's show, the world awaits for a Manhattan jury to indict Donald Trump. Strict Scrutiny's Leah Lippman joins to break down the strength of Alvin Bragg's case. And Tiny D pokes Trump as he continues to shrink in the polls. (sighs) Speaking of, speaking of, (laughs) the trailer has dropped for an exciting new eight-part series from Crooked and iHeartRadio called Stiffed which is about the rise and fall of Viva, the erotic magazine for women, started by Porn King publisher Bob Guccione in 1973. Host Jennifer Romolini takes you on a wild ride through the story that rocked the publishing world. With a team of feminist writers and editors behind it, Viva had full frontal male nudity, Dan. That's penises. (laughs) just just so you know um a fashion section run by anna wintour and cover stars like bianca jagger but were they doomed to fail from the beginning trailer is out now first episode (laughs) drops march 30th this is a really fun great series so excited for everyone to check it out listen on all the podcast platforms i got a lot of dick jokes in just in the housekeeping dan
1: I Look, I read the housekeeping this morning. I said an over-under in my head of how far you would get through it before you started cracking up. And you (laughs) beat the over by far. You did a great job. You're a true (laughs) podcast professional.
0: Okay, good, good. All right, let's get to the news. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but it seems like Donald Trump may have gotten himself into a bit of a pickle. (laughs) (laughs) We are all patiently waiting for a grand jury in Manhattan to indict the twice-impeached frontrunner for the Republican nomination, on criminal charges for paying hush money to porn star Stormy Daniels. The jury met on Monday, but we learned today, Thursday, that they won't be meeting again until next week for some unspecified reason, which means that next week is the earliest an indictment could come. But already, according to the New York Times, Trump has been preparing for his likely arrest by telling people he is excited about a potential perp walk and even mused about whether he should smile for the cameras. Meanwhile, without knowing any details about the potential charges or evidence against Trump, House Republicans are threatening to investigate Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, while the paid liars over at Fox are coming up with some pretty creative defenses of their guy.
1: He represents 74 million Americans.
2: And if he's the nominee, you're putting 74 million votes in prison. Settlements like this, whatever you think of them, are common both among famous people, celebrities, and in corporate America. In this case, you can believe whatever side you want to believe, but paying people not to talk about things, hush money, is ordinary in
3: modern America. There's no proof Trump slept with Stormy. There's no baby. And Trump didn't use campaign funds. There's no crime here. The only potential crime here, Mark, is that Donald Trump was an extortion victim. On a bookkeeping charge. He put a payment to a woman in the legal column. That was in the wrong column. Hillary put the dossier in the same column and she got a fine.
0: I think this is all going to blow over because I don't see any
2: way that they're actually going to get Donald Trump to appear for indictment or or any type of charge.
1: If you're going to arrest a president, there better be a dead body or a
3: suitcase full of cash. Or as Kilmeade says, a suitcase full of dead bodies.
0: That's it. That's the new standard. A suitcase full of dead bodies is the only way that Trump could actually uh, justifiably be charged with anything. Is that a thing that Kilmeade says? Do you think he (laughs) (laughs) what's What's the context for that? I mean, you know, Dan, who among us hasn't paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to silence the porn star we had an affair with in order to win a presidential election? And if they can come after Donald Trump for that? They can come after you for that, too, Dan. (laughs) Great. That's where we are. So you wisely suggested that before we dive into the politics, we we take a step back and talk about the moment we're in right now. The frontrunner for the Republican nomination for president is on the cusp of being charged with a felony. And not only is he staying in the race... Most of the party is sticking with him, despite the possibility that he'll be charged with even more serious crimes that include trying to overturn the last election by sending a violent mob to Congress. Is this where you thought the country would be? We uh, started this show seven years ago.
1: (laughs) Can we put a pin in the seven years thing? Because I want to have a longer conversation about that someday. (laughs) We're
0: entering almost
1: our We're well into our
0: second term. You and me with keeping it 1600. I don't know. Trump's uh, gaining in the polls. I wonder what will happen. Uh, here we are seven years later. This is what's happening.
1: Okay. The serious <laughs> point here is that the situation you just described about a man under multiple criminal investigations likely to be arrested any day now being the front runner for the Republican nomination and therefore basically a coin flip away from returning to the White House in a couple of years is the perfect statement about. How we got Trump to begin with and that the forces that brought us Trump haven't gone anywhere, that we have this deeply radicalizing Republican Party that is exists in a dystopian envi- media environment of propaganda and disinformation with declining trust in institutions, a mainstream media that has been absolutely gutted in terms of its, a bit, its reach and its credibility to be an arbiter of facts and reason and truth – And that the work still goes on, that even if Trump goes to jail at the end of this, even if Ron DeSantis wins this primary or Joe Biden beats both of them, is those forces still exist. They're bigger than Trump and they're going to be what we ultimately have to confront. And it is, I guess, why seven years later, we're still doing a podcast. I think it's a very small part of this, but (laughs) but I can't get over that fact. That's a lot of years.
0: I mean, we have been hearing for months that the Republican establishment is finally done with Trump. They don't think they can win with him. They have to move on. Save us, Ron DeSantis. Um, And here's the guy who just lost them the presidency and the midterms, about to get arrested for one of potentially many felonies. Um, So naturally, they all took the opportunity to really twist the knife.
4: This is a political witch hunt perpetrated by one of the far left radical socialist district attorneys in Alvin Bragg. There is no limit, no end to the limits they will go to, to go after Donald Trump.
2: I think what
1: happens here is that President Trump will be stronger at the end of the day, but the damage done to
3: the law may last for decades. It almost looks like it's a an effort
0: to detract but at the very least it's another example of two tier system of justice. I just wrote a book a couple of months ago on exactly this topic. It's called Justice Corrupted: How the Left Has Weaponized the Legal System. I do every week a podcast Verdict with Ted Cruz. Yesterday's podcast is an hour long deep dive on the legal issues explaining why the facts and law are utterly bogus. Uh, talk about fucking sanctimonious. <laughs> I mean... Forget about Ron DeSantis. It's fucking t- oh, I wrote a book, and I also host a podcast.
1: <laughs> I mean, John, just slow your roll there, buddy. It kind of hits close to home.
0: <laughs> that is not how I preface my takes, by the way. It's exactly I how I preface them. my I just offer them. <laughs>
1: well, you got to be out there... Look, this is a competitive content environment. You got to be out there promoting your stuff.
0: What is wrong with these people? Forget about, like, you know, we started with the moral implications Of the Republican Party standing by um, a potential criminal. But just from just if you do the pure politics, pure politics, and there are a number of Republicans, not all of them, but a number of them who are like, we can't win with Donald Trump. We We need Trump's policies without the Trump baggage. This is it. This is your opportunity. Why? Why? What's wrong with them? Because they are craven,
1: cowardly chuckleheads with the strategic sense of plankton. Like they just they keep doing the same thing over. It's like like
0: muscle memory. They're just like, oh, God, something happened to Trump. We got to we got to defend him. We got to defend him. There
1: is some short term discomfort over moving away from Trump at any moment. Right after the first impeachment, the second impeachment, the Access Hollywood, January 6th, the potluck dinner with the Nazis, whatever it is, like at any (laughs) moment you can do it. But you're going to take some shit in the short term. But they all believe, we know this from reporting, we know this from just common sense, that these Republicans believe that Joe Biden is incredibly beatable in 2024 and that Donald Trump, of all the candidates, gives him the least best chance to beat Joe Biden. I'm not saying that's an accurate assessment, but that's what they believe. And they want the presidency, but they can't stomach the short-term discomfort of having Sean Hannity yell at you or Tucker Carlson yell at you or Charlie Kirk show up at your door or whatever to do the obvious thing. And ev- they made the same mistake over and over again. He's never going to fall under his own weight. You have to move away. You have to make a, take a stand. And they cannot do it. They will not do it. And every time they don't do it, it gets more difficult to do it the next time.
0: I mean, just to try something out. You know, I'm not going to comment on um, an ongoing investigation. Nothing has happened yet, and in our justice system, you're innocent until proven guilty. So I continue to stand by Donald Trump until we know anything like that. Even if you want to, if you don't want to get any shit from Trump or the base or the MAGA media, you could say something like that. But instead, they're like, "We are gonna. We're not just standing by Donald Trump. We're going to investigate a local prosecutor." for an indictment that hasn't yet arrived. <laughs> and like we're going to we're going to take federal funds away from the Manhattan District Attorney's office, the law and order party. We're going to say no Manhattan District Attorney because he may go after, he may indict our guy. It's wild.
1: There, I don't have, shit. I don't have it in front of me. But did you see the Rand Paul tweet that said, "Yeah, the 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 prosecute something like the prosecution of Donald Trump is one of the greatest abuses of power of all time. The prosecutor should be thrown in jail." Yes, <laughs> right, yeah, yes.
0: It's it, honestly, it says it all about the Republican Party yeah. right there. It's not, and it's not hypocrisy because this is where we we get we've talked about this before. But we get into the hypo- like, no one cares about you. Mean, you point out someone's hypocrisy. It is basically just like, no, no, no. We have a different set of rules for us. We get to win all the time. We get to do whatever we want. We are above the law. And you're not. <laughs> everyone else isn't. It's Donald Trump and those of us who are Donald Trump loyal followers and then it's everyone else is the enemy and we can do whatever we want to the enemy. That's it. That's the that's the that's the thought. Um I'm no, I know you're going to get into the legal analysis with uh Leah, but what do we know about what happens next and just from a political logistic standpoint like how a criminal defendant runs for president while being tried for a felony? Well, let's start. Let's
1: start with the logistics. Yeah. So here's what happens: the grand jury renders an indictment. Donald Trump either gets arrested or he turns himself in. At which point he is stripped naked and he is marched down Sixth Avenue, Game of okay. Thrones style.
0: Okay. Now you're just now you're just trying to get
1: just me excited. wait, just wait, and he he gets marched down Sixth Avenue, Game of Thrones style. Where all of the people who made this happen, the stars of the resistance, get to yell "shame" at him. <laughs> we got Mueller, Comey, the Krassensteins the guys from so the is there for some reason. Fauci so is there. <laughs> the uh, Jim Acosta shows up at the end to shout some questions.
0: And they let a Michael ch- Avenatti out of house arrest.
1: <laughs> there a, I think he's in. I think he might be in solitary confinement. He's in a real prison. Anyway, there's a chance he is. we we might get invited.
0: So I'm that's glad how you that works logistically. Important, <laughs> it's important to be self-aware. Yes. Um, okay. So that's that's what's going to happen, huh?
1: What, will, what it will really happen is what happens to most rich, famous, particularly white people who get charged and arrested for crimes is there will probably not be a perp walk. It will be handled quietly. TMZ will spend the largest amount of money they've ever spent for a copy of The Mugshot, which hopefully they will succeed. Um and that mugshot
0: will, will then mu- that mugshot will then appear on t shirts that Donald Trump sells um to benefit his campaign. And he will be wearing them forever.
1: <laughs> and Cricket will also sell. That's
0: it. You heard it, merch team. There we, got, we got another one. Got another one.
1: And he yeah. will he's out of flight risk and will just go about his life campaigning for president, attacking the prosecutor who was trying to char- to prosecute him for these crimes.
0: And that's that. And then, I mean, what if, you know, and there was a, a debate scheduled and he's like, oh, I can't get to the debate. I have a court hearing. <laughs> <laughs> you do and wonder. i was wondering, there could be some, <laughs> and we're just talking about the, the the one felony now. I mean, we could, he could be under, he could be having multiple trials. He could be telling the, he could be telling Alvin Bragg, I can't show up at court today because I got to go down to Fulton County and <laughs> to get a reign there.
1: Yes. I mean, it, it It likely, it presents a set of political complications which we have talked about and we'll talk about i mean it very is like a trial could be going on in the fall of 2024 when he is supposed to be campaigning or on a debate stage or at the convention i mean i frankly think that some ambitious young judge should consider him a flight risk and put an ankle monitor on him and keep him imprisoned in trump in
0: trump tower for a while he'd probably like that just keep him in mar-a-lago that's where he's been for last year anyway gotta
1: keep him in new york state it's a state crime get him out of florida
0: All right. So we are obviously out of the prediction business, but I do want to get your take on a few uh, political prognostications. Um, <laughs> quote, the prosecutor in New York has done more to help Donald Trump get elected president than any single person in America today. That is South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Uh, here's another one. You are about to increase the odds that Donald Trump will win another four years in the White House dramatically, maybe even decisively. That is uh disgrace. Former pundit Mark Halpern. So here's my question for you. How many undecided voters do you think will get off the fence now that they can finally support someone who may be a convicted felon by Election Day? Do you think that's what the swing voters were looking for? They're like, eh, seen Donald Trump since 2016. Eh, not sure about him. Waiting for him to get arrested. There's my guy.
1: That's exactly what I think. <laughs> a small handful of people in diners frequented by New York Times reporters Think. And will tell us when those New York Times reporters go there to yeah. check it Jeremy
0: out. Jeremy Peters has talked to all of them.
1: <laughs> yes. I think we need to. There are a lot of predictions happening out there. We don't do that. I think this is an un, obviously an unprecedented situation. It is, the politics are complicated, particularly in the Republican primary. But we should just stipulate that being indicted for a crime is, never, is not going to help you.
0: Not it's good. just a question not of a how much thing.
1: it just a question of how much it hurts you. It is not going to make him more likely to be president, it's not going to make him more likely to be the nominee. It's just a question of whether enough people will care to penalize him enough to have him not be the nominee. That is the simple fact here.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's uh it's ludicrous um to suggest that some this will help him in a general election because oh,
1: so that's yeah, that is the most obvious thing they the world.
0: Yeah. for just a million reasons. None the least of which is that people have largely made up their mind about Donald Trump and the insurrection and a whole bunch of other shit have basically moved his uh, poll numbers within a tiny margin <laughs> for the last six or seven years. And the idea that indict the indictment will actually lead some people to the polls who haven't already supported Donald Trump in the last couple elections is just it's, it's baffling. It's baffling. Now, let's talk about the dynamic in the Republican primary, because I do think there's um, some interesting stuff there to talk about. Other Republicans and lots of pundits have predicted that getting arrested as the law and order candidate will only help Trump in the Republican primary, where voters are prone to believe that this is just another Democrat witch hunt to destroy their uh, favorite Republican president for some affair. What do you think about that?
1: I think that is also pickled galaxy brain take. (laughs) Once again, being arrested is never going to help you politically. It's not. It is going to complicate, like you said, to complicate Donald Trump's campaign logistically, but also politically, because whenever you have a primary to choose a nominee to run against a sitting president, the dominant issue, the one that trumps everything ideology, morality, everything else is electability. And Donald Trump facing criminal prosecution, potentially facing criminal prosecution in the fall of the election year, creates a pretty strong electability argument for his opponents to make against him.
0: I'll give you the other argument again. I keep making these other arguments that I I don't actually believe. So please don't tag me with them. Okay, now Elijah's This is where, yeah, this is where you on, do
1: the cut right here,
0: someone, right now. someone on Twitter, someone on Twitter the other week was like, "Hey, why did you? When did you become such a big Ron DeSantis fan?" Yeah, I'm a huge fucking. Ron well, DeSantis I mean, fan. I can't wait.
1: <laughs> you defended him vigorously last yeah, week. Yeah, I vigorously. did because I was
0: trying to play a role here. I'm trying to give some people some interesting arguments since we don't we don't have any Republicans on here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, on this one, this is this would be the electability argument. And Trump's already trying to say this, which is uh, Trump is the one that Democrats fear most, which is why the Democrats and the liberal establishment and the media, they're all trying to take Donald Trump down. And this is whatever you think about Donald Trump. This is a massive injustice and it's a political prosecution and they're going after him. And so they're going after you. And then, you know, you get a bunch of Republican voters who are like and again. There's like the Trump fans who it's not going to matter for. There's the people who've decided we're all in on DeSantis or someone else. We don't want Trump. And then there's like the, the swing voters in the Republican primary who's like, eh, I like Trump, but I'm, I'm willing to entertain alternatives. Uh, and I'm, But I'm not sold on DeSantis, but I'm thinking about it. And for that, those people, the argument would be, well, they're coming after Trump and they, they want to get Trump and and I'm going to stand with him. This is the argument that I, – I, Ross Duhat made this argument in the fucking New York Times. And I didn't find it super compelling, but it, it was an argument.
1: I mean, the point here is on its own, it does not help Trump for sure. On its own, it doesn't end his campaign either. How right. Trump handles it and how Ron DeSantis handles it, which we'll talk about, is going to dictate this. And yeah. we do know in the past that – Donald Trump, when he is the center of attention and the center of a controversy where a bunch of the people that Republican voters have identified as the wrong kinds of people line up against Trump, he strengthens. It's why his numbers went up during impeachment.
0: And why his numbers with Republicans went up after the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago.
1: And so that could happen again in the short term. But how Ron DeSantis handles it how Trump behaves will determine the end result here, the actual impact. We're not going to know the impact of this for months because there may be a quick, you know, bump in numbers. It could be real, it could be statistical noise after an arrest. But there's a long-term impact here, and it can't be viewed just in a vacuum because there are yeah. other charges potentially to come, other Whoa. arrests, <laughs> other things are going to happen, and the full the question is: Does the full is the full weight of that? Too much. Does it make Trump seem like a loser? Because in Republican politics, loser is much worse than criminal.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, the other the other side of that argument for those swing Republican voters is just what you said, which is they look, they're like, I still like Donald Trump. Maybe I think the prosecution was unfair, but like, oh, we got to win. We got to beat Joe Biden. We're going to this guy's getting indicted for all these things. Why not just go with Ron DeSantis? That's that's the other side of that argument. How much do you think it matters politically that breaking campaign finance laws is a less serious crime than hiding nuclear secrets in your beach house uh, or plotting a coup that, uh, that ended up uh, turning violent against members of Congress? If you needed
1: evidence that there is not some giant top-down deep state conspiracy against Donald Trump, it would be that this crime is coming first. Because it by far, this is, it is very serious. It could have very real 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 impact. But just when you lay them all out, you have a seven-year-old, as old as this podcast, seven-year-old crime emanating, public crime emanating from personal conduct compared to deeply dangerous handling of classified information while president and engineering a violent coup against the United States. This one clearly has less substantive moral and political impact than the other two. And if we were deciding this, this would not come first. This would probably come last. Doesn't mean it's not significant. Doesn't mean he shouldn't be held accountable for it. Just from a purely political point of view, this is the easiest one for Republican voters looking for a reason to stick with Trump to use his permission
0: structure to do so. I don't know. I think it's a nice little appetizer. It's a first. Oh, you think watch. it's
1: in a You think, you it's, think it's, it's a boosh?
0: <laughs> I think you get what? You, look at. Alvin Bragg indicts the guy. The world doesn't end. Knock, knock. Uh, <laughs> knock it on wood. And then we're we're ready for Fulton County. We're ready for what's coming next. We, we already got one under our belt. That's what I'm saying. Look, I also think I don't love minimizing this crime just because relative to hiding nuclear secrets from the government and staging a violent coup, it is not as bad. Because it's not just... I mean, yes, it stems from personal conduct, like you said, but it's it's cheating. It's it's cheating in the election, not not just <laughs> on your way. Yes. It's it's you know, like that's why we have campaign finance laws. What Donald Trump tried to do is say, mm, I can because I'm rich. I can take a hundred couple hundred thousand dollars and buy this woman's silence. And even though you're only supposed to donate x amount of money to your campaign, I'm going to blow through that limit and then I'm going to lie about it because I'm trying to win this election. And like just because. We now think that Donald Trump gets away with everything and we think, oh, well, if the Stormy Daniels story had come out a couple weeks after Access Hollywood, eh, it wouldn't have really matter that much. And Donald Trump may still win. We don't know that. And that's why you have campaign finance laws, because the, the campaign finance laws are like, no, you can't spend that much money to silence someone and you can't hide the reporting of it. So it's like a real I mean, it was him trying to cheat an election, which he always does.
1: Yeah, it is. The the argument on the politics here is two things. One. It's the fact that Donald Trump is a corrupt cad is not a new piece of information to people, right? They knew both of those things. We have actual evidence of the political impact of alleged crimes of similar nature to the other two charges, right? We have seen much different, very poorly covered by the press, how the handling of alleged classified information can weigh down a campaign, as it did in 2016. And we know from 2022 that candidates' involvement in January 6th and pushing the big lie, this is a documented fact, hurt them in those elections. And so we just – it's not that it's not serious. It is quite serious. It's just from, from a political salience point of view, I think you can very credibly argue that it is the least salient of the three crimes. The fact of the arrest is a big deal
0: regardless of the crime. Pot of America is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? I know now. There you go. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And that's and that's so fast. So fast. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Let me tell you, I'm not very good at keeping plants alive, but uh, they sent us a, a little tree, and it is... A ficus. It is both alive... And thriving. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Big, beautiful leaves. Big leaves. Big leaves. Uh, I love the looks of it. Looks great. Uh, It came really fast. Perfect. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half on select plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code CROOKED at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com. Using the code CROOKED at checkout, fastgrowingtrees.com, code CROOKED. offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How do you cope when there's something weighing on you or something you need to get off your chest? You know the best way to do it? Best way to cope is to talk about it. Not just cram it down. Not do what generations of New Englanders have done. Just stuff their feelings down. Maybe cover it with a coat of booze. No. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash PSA. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash PSA. Hey, it's It and I'm on my way to your city. And by on my way, I mean I'm still in the shower, but still, about to head out.
1: Love it or leave it, Live on Tour is heading all over the country. We'll be in Charlotte, Asheville, Boston, Madison, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. And if we're not coming to your city this time, I'm sorry, the country is too big. Take it up with
3: the pioneers. To learn more and get tickets, head to crooked.com slash events.
0: So the other big uh, Trump crime news this week was an appeals court order that his lawyer, Evan Corcoran, has to testify in the classified documents case because— attorney-client privilege doesn't apply when you help your client commit a crime. Uh, The appeals court upheld a federal judge's finding that the government made a prima facie showing that the former president committed criminal violations. That was from the federal judge's order. How do you think an indictment in this case or in the many other Trump investigations, Fulton County, the other jack smith investigations around <laughs> january 6th i believe the manhattan or the new york state has some other business investigations they're doing there's something about truth social and the sec there's a multiple investigations. there's a civil right rape ch-
1: trial a, that, going that's on right. That's, right now thank
0: you that's another yes. one so how do you think additional indictments <laughs> change the political calculus it it, it is
1: a Question: I, I do think it's just amazing that in a basically year and a half period, Donald Trump's had two different lawyers help him commit two different crimes. <laughs> like, this is the second time. Like it's courts. Don't lightly undo attorney client privilege. It has now happened twice with two different lawyers and two different crimes, which is just wild. We know from all the polling that Republican voters still like Trump. He still has a high approval rating. They think he was a great president it's just a question of whether all of this noise weighs him down. And the more indictments you have, the more arrests you have, the more trials you have, the more noise. It reminds people of the baggage. And it, it emboldens Ron DeSantis' case to be the alternative. Trump without the handcuffs is essentially his
0: pitch now. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You, I hope you're listening, to DeSantis campaign. Um, we do not
1: want to help Ron DeSantis, John May, because he's a huge DeSantis fan.
0: <laughs> Look, at some point, <laughs> there's there's a lot of people out there who's gonna have to actually pick between Ron. DeSantis We're not one, and one of them. We do not have <laughs> to. Isn't that nice? Isn't yes. that nice? Look, I, I know that you're fine with another four years of Trump. I'm not. <laughs> That's that's what you're saying. That's (laughs) that's your position on this. That's what I'm doing. All right. So um, not a lot of Democrats, except for us, are talking about Trump's impending arrest. Uh, Joe Biden isn't. Should he be? I don't think so. But I figured I'd ask you. If not, should some Democrats be making the case that if not, you know, hitting Trump for these charges, at least hitting Republicans in Congress for trying to investigate a state prosecutor because they think Donald Trump is above the law.
1: I do not think Joe Biden should talk about this. I think it complicates, even though this is not a federal case where where the prosecutors essentially work for Joe Biden, it complicates things. It probably helps Trump for Joe Biden to be commenting on yep. it. So he he I, I can't imagine he would do it. He won't do it. There will be people arguing he should do it. I think those people will be mistaken. I think Democrats should make the case that Republicans are focusing on all of this dumb stuff, on protecting Donald Trump, on, on investigating the investigators instead of doing all the things people actually want them to do, Wait, raising wages, lowering costs, making health care more affordable, averting the debt ceiling crisis that's coming, all of those things that people we know people care about that they're not doing So they can do all this other stuff in the service of politics for Donald Trump, for MAGA Republicans. I think that's the case to make.
0: Yeah, I just think that um, I don't think that a Democrat talking about this outside of Joe Biden, which you're, I agree, like he he can't just be getting into a prosecution. I don't think that like elevates it in the media as much as the facts of the case. Yeah, I, you I, know, the like, president's being there. arrested.
1: It's up. It's
0: right. It's, that's going to like you're not going to need a Democrat to go out in front of the cameras and, and, and say that. Like that's <laughs> in the news. That's in there. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the other major political figure who hadn't weighed in on Trump's impending arrest until this week. Governor Ron DeSanctimonious, a.k.a. Meatball Ron, a.k.a. Tiny D. Here's what he finally had to say.
2: I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda.
0: I do appreciate that he said porn star hush money payments multiple times in that (laughs) answer. It was like, uh, I'm not... not, (laughs) You, you know what I'm thinking about there? Uh, I do. Can you guess? I do.
1: Does it involve... Was it an MSNBC hit?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> back in the 08 uh, campaign in the primary, when uh, Billy Sheen in New Hampshire <laughs> tried to insinuate that Barack Obama once did cocaine. <laughs> and then Mark Penn just said it multiple times <laughs> in an MSNBC hit. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say he did cocaine. What are you talking about cocaine? What are you talking about Barack Obama cocaine? so that was what Ron DeSantis just did.
1: We're, we're so old and so lame. Honestly,
0: go look at it on YouTube. It's a classic. All right. Tiny D later sat for an interview with Piers Morgan for an interview with a Fox streaming service that he also wrote up in the New York Post. What a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> the headline was in the New York Post for Piers' story, Ron DeSantis rips Trump's character chaotic leadership style. Here's what he said. What are the differences between you? I mean, obviously,
2: you know, the the approach to COVID was different. I mean, you know, I would have fired somebody like Fauci. I also think just in terms of my approach to leadership, you know, I get personnel in the government who have the agenda of the people and share our agenda. So the way we run the government, I think, is no daily drama, focus on the big picture and put points on the board.
0: What um, is your favorite nickname that Trump's given you
2: so far? Is it Ron Ronda Sanctimonious or Meatball Ron? <laughs> I don't know how to spell the I don't really know what it means, but I you know I kind of like it's long. It's got a lot of vowels. I mean, so we go with that. That's fine. You know, you can call me you can call me whatever you want. I mean, just as long as you you know also call me a winner.
0: <sighs> yeah, ripped Trump's character there. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Tiny D's strategy?
1: I just want to say that every time I hear Ron DeSantis' voice, it's like the first time all over again. It's <laughs> it, always – it is – like, it, it doesn't get less annoying over time. It's just you're constantly shocked at how it
0: is. I don't know. I'm I, You know I'm, I'm a fan of Ron DeSantis, of course. Legend. But, like, I don't know if that's going to wear well, that voice.
1: Yeah, you, you do Ron DeSantis with the – on mute with the subtitles on when you watch, when you watch, your, <laughs> when you watch your boy. <laughs> Way back in the day – Uh, You may have been there for this, but we watched a focus group about the new House Republican majority, and they played a lot of footage of Eric Cantor.
0: Oh, yeah. He's got another one with a
1: voice. voice, And the focus group crowd just revolted against Eric Cantor's voice. And I really feel like that's how it's going to play for Ron DeSantis. Um,
0: Anyway, we do substantive criticism here. No uh, no theater criticism. Hey, look,
1: I'm just telling you what the voters care about. Not saying it's like good, ability. not saying it's bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so what do you think, what do you think of uh, DeSantis? He's, you know, he poked out a little bit. He gave, he's, 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 he's doing a little so, little needling of Trump. And, and I will say for him, by the way, before you answer, sorry, like a little does go a long way with the press. Like DeSantis said that in the interview, which I think we can all agree is pretty mild. And the New York Post wrote it up as DeSantis rips Trump's character.
1: I mean that is going to happen a thousand times, and he should be savvy enough to know that because the mm-hmm. the press is always spoiling for a fight between politicians, yeah. but they're particularly spoiling for a fight between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump for a whole host of reasons. What I I think as a strategy, this is you could you see basically what DeSantis said. There is a, is the core strategy of his campaign. Like I bet in a whiteboard in the DeSantis headquarters to be. It is that it's how do you if the your your lane is Trump without the baggage or the handcuffs, whatever, and you're going to be less chaotic and you're going to you have to find one issue to differentiate yourself on. And that issue is obviously COVID because it's the place where you are known for terrible reasons for your, quote unquote, success in COVID. We're in the Republican yep. Party. Success is measured by Lib's own, not live saved.
0: Um, and <laughs> I let a bunch of old people die. That's 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 where I'm running on.
1: And so you pick Fauci, right? So you, like that makes all, that is the strategy. But I feel like DeSantis needs to show, not tell. You're, you're, he basically just read the whiteboard to the people Instead, said, you want to demonstrate those things without being so explicit about it. And he walked sort of right into a trap here where he did, you know, he was sort of faced with a binary choice, defend Trump like everyone else, or use his opportunity to differentiate yourself. And the worst decision in politics is not the wrong decision. It's no decision. And that's what he did here. He tried to do both. And I think he pleased no one. And you see in the press coverage, it's shitty for him all across the board, I think.
0: And by the way, something similar happened with him on Ukraine. He tried to walk back his uh statement that his campaign put out to tucker carlson about his position on ukraine calling it a territorial dispute and then with peers he was like well putin's a war criminal and i did my statement was taken out of context it's like wh- no the context was it was a fucking written statement dude <laughs> we didn't take it out of context we all read the words so i do think it's emblematic of sort of what he's trying to straddle here in this primary look i as you know huge ron DeSantis fan clip um and I have been laying out the reasons why I don't think it's a great idea for him to just go nuclear on Trump this early because there are a ton of Republican voters who love Donald Trump, even as they are potentially open to alternatives. But even for me, <laughs> I think that, that that his Piers Morgan interview and his Stormy Daniels statement is just a little too cute by half. You know, Tommy makes the point that it's like DeSantis is showing is, is being too weak and, and Republican voters want strength and that's why they want Trump. And my take is like slightly different. I don't think it's contradictory, but it's like DeSantis there sounds like a typical politician in trying to carefully criticize Trump for the press. And like you said, reading the the message from the whiteboard and Trump is trying to put him in a box of typical establishment politician. And he's sounding like a typical establishment politician in the way that he's criticizing Donald Trump right now. And I think that's, if you're one of those voters who was like open to DeSantis and still open to supporting Trump again, you kind of look, you listen to Donald Trump just being Donald Trump. And then you listen to Ron DeSantis, like doing his line about Fauci and COVID and making a stupid joke about the vowels and DeSanctimonious. And you're like, eh, I don't know. This guy seems a little, little, little typical.
1: I think what you're seeing here is, is the great challenge of potential undoing of DeSantis's campaign,
0: which is Trump's
1: hardcore base, the one that can deliver him the nomination in the winner-take-all primaries of the Republican Party, is MAGA. They're dedicated to him personally, and they are MAGA through and through. The universe of voters who are open to Ron DeSantis, which makes up probably 65% of the Republican Party, they are ideologically incoherent. Some of them are more traditional Republicans who would certainly pick a Republican over Joe Biden, but are uncomfortable with Trump for a variety of reasons. You, the reason he flips on Ukraine is because he's got a whole bunch of people, including huge donors, who think that the Republicans should return to their neocon roots and be tough on Russia. So he flips there. You have people who think that – who love all the stuff Donald Trump did, just think he wasn't effective at it. So you want you want all the MAGA stuff with more efficacy and less chaos. You have people who want to return to some of not Paul Ryan like entitlement cuts, but more traditional tax cuts and trade and trying to stitch that anti Trump or DeSantis curious coalition together is going to be very, very challenging for him. And he's not doing it very deftly early in the process here.
0: What would you have advised DeSantis to do this week?
1: Just chill the fuck out.
0: He is interesting or just not say much at all.
1: Well, I think his Piers Morgan interview, his statement feels very reactive. The narrative is and it's borne out in the polling that Donald Trump has gained ground on DeSantis, that Trump is ascendant, DeSantis is falling. And I think that is an accurate fact that is being attributed to the fact that Donald Trump is lashing out at Ron DeSantis left and right. And DeSantis has not been responding. But that's not—the polling does not actually show that's why Trump is gaining and DeSantis is falling.
0: DeSantis's favorability ratings are better than Trump's. Yeah, they have not taken a hit. Even as he's been losing ground in the head-to-head, his, his favorability ratings are quite high, and his unfavorability rating is very low. I'm, this is all among Republican voters. Yeah.
1: So that's the key point, which—that means that voters are returning to Trump— not because they've learned information that they don't like about Ron DeSantis, they're just being reminded why they like Donald Trump—that he is, he hasn't been involved in some some sort of major embarrassment recently, like losing the primary or dining with Kanye West or all that. He is just owning the news like he does so well. And Ron DeSantis was everywhere right after the oh, right after the midterms, and he's f- faded into the background. And so you don't be. Res- Reactive Trump. I think in this case, I would have just gone after the prosecutor if I was Ron DeSantis. I would have said as little as possible, just gone after the prosecutor and said, I'm focused on my legislative session doing X, Y, and Z. Like this is a long game. Play the long game here. Understand why you are fading. And it's not because you're not responding to Trump. It's because you haven't announced your campaign yet. I would maybe speed up my time frame to try to get this going and have Trying to find and try to find some high-profile moments that remind people why they like me that have nothing to do with Trump during the course of this legislative session. But I think there be he's being reactive. He's not handling the first bit of turbulence well, and it's just like relax for a second. There's only two people who are going to win this primary: Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. You're still the other person, and there's no need to panic just yet.
0: I think to your earlier point about how they're. Um... Republican Party is fine with a criminal, but they don't like a loser. Like, I, I think if Ron DeSantis does not start defining Donald Trump as a loser, Ron DeSantis will be a loser. <laughs> like, he's just got I, I think, and he doesn't have to just come right out now and say, like, the guy's the biggest loser, though. Yeah, that would be interesting. I think just, like, every time Donald Trump attacks him, every time he's asked about Donald Trump, just have this sort of, like, uh, it's sort of sad. It's sort of pathetic. You know, like, I'm, I'm focusing on my stuff, and you know, Donald Trump, he was he was a great president once, but, uh, you know, he's sort of he's struggling for relevance. He's got all these indictments. It's just it's sort of sad. It's sort of sad. You know, like I think he's got to put him in a loser box. And right now it, it just doesn't. It, I don't know. It seems like it's its too cute by half and it's too subtle what he's doing.
1: I think it's actually the opposite of subtle. I think it's too just transparently
0: political. Yes. transparently political. Yeah. It is for people people who are tuned, who are like tuned in like us, right. For most voters, they have no fucking idea that Donald, but yeah, he's, he's getting the worst of
1: getting the worst of all worlds. He is pleasing. No one. He's getting all the downside, none of the upside. And he just has to, and this is the question. He has not faced real political turbulence in his life and how you handle that. like, when we work for Obama, right? If the I hate the 2008 parallels to this, but DeSantis is like Obama in the sense that he is completely fresh on the national stage. And it is an untested proposition of how we'll handle the tremendous pressure and glare and scrutiny of a presidential campaign. And if he does if he it's possible he can't handle it. It's very possible he can't. We're gonna find that out pretty quickly here.
0: And he hasn't had anything like this because he's been in Florida only talking to uh, MAGA friendly press outlets <laughs> know, and, and just like holding press conferences where he fucking uh, owns the lips, you know? And it's like, yeah. if, that's, if that's the only clips people see, then like, yeah, Republicans are going to like him. But when he has to actually sit down, do interviews, do press conferences, do all this kind of shit, like that's the real test.
1: It's so funny that right now we're talking about him being completely in safe spaces and we're talking about him venturing out into dangerous territory by speaking to slightly more pro-Trump MAGA media people it's not like he's not doing he's not sitting down with the ghost of Tim Russert for Meet the Press right he just has to he might have to talk to either Deucey or something
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy Tiny yeah. D okay when we come back Dan will talk to Strict Scrutiny's Leah Littman about the case against Donald Trump Tune into Polar Coaster with Dan Pfeiffer, Cricket's latest subscriber-exclusive show. To get access, subscribe to our Friends of the Pod community only at cricutcom slash friends. Donald Trump
3: can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy Rails tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events.
1: We are eagerly awaiting the potential indictment and arrest of Donald Trump. Here to break down the legal cases, Leah Littman, the host of Crooked's fantastic legal podcast, Strict Scrutiny. Leah, welcome back to the pod. Thanks for having me. Leah, Donald Trump said he was going to get arrested on Tuesday. The press thought it would be Wednesday. We were hoping it would be today. Do you have any sense of what the delay is with the grand jury vote on a potential indictment?
4: I mean, we always knew we needed to take him seriously, not literally. So the day of the <laughs> week was a little beside the point. Um, but basically, the way grand jury proceedings work is they impanel a grand jury, and that grand jury hears a bunch of different cases. Um, but it might not actually sit on days it was scheduled, and their, their proceedings aren't actually public. So... The grand jury wasn't actually seated, I think, either on Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday. And it looks like Thursday is the first day in which they're actually going to sit down and hear cases and decide whether to issue indictments. So it's really about the scheduling of the grand jury and the secrecy of those proceedings.
1: This maybe sounds like a crazy question, but do we have any reason to believe the indictment is actually imminent other than Donald Trump's Postal and Truth Social? Or are we just going off of wishful thinking or something like that?
4: I think it is largely based on things that are coming from his camp, in part because grand jury proceedings are generally secret. I mean, we don't necessarily know whether someone has been indicted unless they make it public um, or until they've been arrested. Now, having said that, there has been some suggestion and piece of evidence otherwise that some things are happening, you know, interviewing other people close to the Trump camp um, and other people seemingly, you know, being asked questions or becoming involved in this New York-based investigation in a way that it looked like it had died down, you know, a few years back. So there are some pieces of corroborating evidence, you know, for his statements.
1: In general, what happens after the indictment? Just help us understand the process. Talk to us like the non-lawyers that we are. Will he get frog-marched? Will there be the perp walk America deserves? How soon could a trial happen? Just what's the basic process here?
4: Sure. So after an indictment, um, there will be a determination about whether, you know, someone will be held before trial or during trial. And that might be a point in which an arrest happens. Um, There will then be a determination about whether someone will be held with or without bail, you know, before trial. And then there will be a trial. Unfortunately, the timing on these things is all over the map. Um, It really depends, you know, what priority the prosecutors give this case relative to others, as well as what other kinds of cases they are trying to bring. And so it's impossible to know what sort of schedule we are looking at. You know, the only kind of legal constraints are you have a constitutional right to a speedy trial, but that's a pretty toothless guarantee. And as long as it happens within, let's say, a year, a few years, it's going to be fine. Um, So it really depends on how the office tries to proceed.
1: So there's no guarantee this will happen before the election, were there to be a trial?
4: Um, No guarantee, although you kind of have to think that they don't want this hanging over their heads, (laughs) you know, for some uncertain period of time and indefinite point in the future. But again, that's just my own intuition.
1: Our understanding of what Donald Trump is being investigated for and maybe indicted for involves hush money payments to a woman he had an affair with. People get exchange, get ex- money in exchange for their silence all the time in, in the course of business and in cases. Why is this one a crime? What crime did Donald Trump allegedly commit here?
4: So the New York state crime is falsifying business records. So, you know, you have to report payments, you know, that you are making as part of your business and you have to report them truthfully. You know, that is just a state requirement. And the charge of falsifying business records is actually a pretty common one that New York prosecutes all the time. Um, But what makes this case potentially different is falsifying business records is typically a misdemeanor. And here it looks like they might be trying to charge him with a felony. And in order to charge him with a felony. You have to show that the business records were falsified, you know, with an intent to commit some other crime. And we don't totally know what that other crime is. You know, it might very well end up being um federal election law or campaign finance violations where. Basically, the allegation is they used this money for the benefit of the campaign, but didn't disclose it as such. So that's the general theory, falsifying business records, and they're trying to elevate it or escalate it up to a felony charge by proving that the business records were falsified in order to commit some other crime, likely violation of federal campaign finance law.
1: That's a federal law. This is a state case, but that works because it's the business records falsification is in service of that federal crime
4: uh it's, it's because yes exactly the underlying state charge is falsifying business records now this you know theory is admittedly slightly untested whether the you know felony that you are trying to conceal Um, That New York can prosecute you for is a federal crime versus a state one. You know, that's a little uncertain, but it's not even clear that that is the only crime um, that they are saying he was intending to commit when he falsified these business records. There could also be state charges as well. It just so happens that that's the most likely one, given that they, you know, Michael Cohen already pled guilty to a federal campaign finance violation.
1: So in other words, we're all making a whole bunch of judgments and speculation based on an incomplete set of facts. Is that fair to say?
4: Uh, Exactly. I mean, this is the world that Donald Trump has forced us into. Yes.
1: Okay. One parallel that people have drawn with this admittedly incomplete set of facts is to the case against former Democratic presidential candidate, John Edwards, who also provided money to a woman with whom he'd had an affair. He was indicted, charged, taken on trial, and got off. How are these cases similar or different?
4: Sure. So they're similar in that the allegation there was there was a payment made to an individual to keep them quiet. And the allegation was keeping that individual with whom John Edwards had an affair quiet was a benefit to the Edwards campaign. Um, Now, there are, however, some pretty important differences. Um, One is John Edwards' defense is not, um, let's say, as credible uh, for Donald Trump because John Edwards' defense was he wasn't um, keeping his affair quiet. For the benefit of his campaign but rather to keep it from his wife and children as his wife was dying from cancer and it's not just that he said that um, it's also that he continued to pay the woman with whom he had an affair after the election. And so that gave his defense some additional credibility there. Um, Now, how believable is it that Donald Trump doesn't want anyone to know about his infidelity, right? Like, it's just not that credible. And on top of that, you don't have Again, just based on the admittedly speculative incomplete facts we are working with, you know, a piece of evidence that suggests um, he continued to make these payments, you know, after the election, because what he really cared about was, you know, public opinion or his wife's opinion or his, you know, family's opinion um, about, you know, who he was sleeping with.
1: Let's presume for a second that the crime is the one that you suspect it may be involving, Campaign finance violations because of the falsified business records. If that is the case, how difficult a case do you think that is? to prosecute? Does, is it, does it give Trump a real opening to get off here? Like, what's your what's your legal analysis of the kind of case that Bragg would bring under the circumstances?
4: I mean, the misdemeanor charge, you know, falsifying business records, that seems pretty straightforward. You know, proving the, the predicate or enhancement felony seems more difficult. And it's more difficult in part because it turns on what Donald Trump's intent was. And proving intent, that is like what is in someone's mind, is always a little bit difficult. I think, frankly, particularly true when you're dealing with someone who's a serial liar who has like a pretty agnostic relationship with the facts and so you don't really know when all of the things or which of the things they say are actually true um now that being said it can't be the case that just because someone is a perennial liar means they can never be convicted of an intent crime and a campaign finance violation um and here you also have you know the additional fact that Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to this very offense and that's got to help the conviction. So is it possible he could be convicted? Yes. Um, Is there a way in which he could get off? Yes. I mean, part of what is the atmosphere around this case is that it would have been possible. It could have been possible for a state prosecutor to bring this charge, you know, four or five years ago, it's been possible for federal prosecutors to, you know, bring a federal campaign finance charge, you know, ever since we knew these facts and ever since the Michael Cohen plea, and they haven't. And I think that unfortunately that atmospheric aspect of the case might color people's assessments of whether they think he is in fact guilty.
1: And if he were to be found guilty, it's life in prison, right? This is it. Throw away the key. That how, that's how it goes.
4: Uh, you know, our criminal system is, in fact, overly punitive and overly harsh. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, no, uh, it's not actually <laughs> going to be uh, life in prison. Um, and you know, th- there's a wide range of different punishments um, that might happen, just depending on you know whether he's convicted of a misdemeanor or felony, um, and if he is convicted of the felony and you know what charges they bring. So it's really impossible to tell at this point. But uh, no, I think we're looking at life without parole.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Okay. I'm now going to put you in the position of a deeply uncomfortable hypothetical situation. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah. Imagine this. Donald Trump has found himself destitute. He needs legal representation. The court appoints you to be <laughs> his pro bono attorney. How would you legal expert? And I can promise you no one who's working on Trump's legal team is going to hear this. So give us your best stuff. How would you defend Donald Trump? Were you his attorney?
4: Um, so first I would come up with a set of alternative facts um to explain uh, <laughs> why exactly um my client who is very much a family man uh, wanted to conceal this <laughs> affair from his very young child um and you know on top of that I do think a- Some amount of this case is going to be decided just in the public eye. And I think, you know, with public messaging around why these charges are being brought now, why they weren't brought then, that's going to be a part of the story as well. And so my guess is that will seep into the trial as far as, you know, defense allegations about prosecutorial misconduct or impermissible prosecutorial motives saying like, they're just out to get me, you know, their predecessor decided not to prosecute me. And now they're just doing so because of some bad press surrounding, you know, someone who left the office and was unhappy with the previous prosecutor's decisions. So, you know, I would definitely... Try and mount the John Edwards defense. Um, definitely look into you know the prosecutor's conduct um, and all of those things. And then I would take a shower and I would have some difficulty sleeping.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. Would you try to plead this out as a misdemeanor? Would that be an option yeah, for? Yeah, that
4: is. Um, but you know, it is really hard to know exactly like what the state's posture is going to be. You know, our criminal legal system is a system of pleas. You know, 98% of cases end up being resolved in plea deals. And in the federal system, I think it's actually even higher than that. Um, But there are always going to be some cases that prosecutors think they, you know, need to go to trial or want to go to trial. And this also might be a case where, you know, the defendant, Trump, um, doesn't want to plea because you know, he's not necessarily always rational in making decisions. Um, But yeah, no, a plea to a misdemeanor, um, if he is indeed charged with a felony would be a pretty standard and not that surprising way of resolving, you know, a case like this one, um, at least outside of these facts.
1: Well, Leah, I hope that someday in the near future Donald Trump is indicted so that this conversation will wear well over the test of time. So (laughs) thank you so much for joining us.
0: Uh, It is always great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Leah Lippman, and don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and TikTok, while it's still around, uh, and at Pod Save America on Twitter. Subscribe to Pod Save America on YouTube for access to full episodes and other exclusive content, and, uh, you know, consider dropping us a review if you're so inclined. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Hopefully the Indictment Fairy will come. Uh, Have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. Pod Save America is a Crooked Media production. The executive producer is Michael Martinez. Our senior producer is Andy Gardner-Bernstein. Our producers are Haley Muse and Olivia Martinez. It's mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis sound engineered the show. Thanks to Hallie Kiefer, Ari Schwartz, Sandy Gerard, Andy Taft, and Justine Howe for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Phoebe Bradford, Milo Kim, and Amelia Montu. Our episodes are uploaded as videos at youtube.com slash podsaveamerica.